All right, good morning. Welcome this morning. How y'all doing? Are you doing good this morning? Happy Mother's Day, all you moms. So grateful for the mothers. Hey, uh, in light of Mother's Day, we will not be having uh, services this afternoon and evening. So four o'clock prayer, um, we will not have, and five o'clock service, we will not have. We will resume, though, next Sunday prayer and uh, service, but service next Sunday is not going to be normal Bible study. We are having a missions um, update or awareness night. All of our, well, most of our missionaries um, will be giving us a report either via um, a video or in person. They'll be here next Sunday. And so hopefully you can come for that. You can hear what the Lord's doing around the world through the missionaries that we are able to uh, partner with and be a part of their ministry. Uh, I'm super stoked because we have a few of those missionaries in town that we'll be sharing also. So next Sunday, 5 o'clock service, if you can make that. It will not be broadcasted because they're sensitive. Uh, um, Some of the places where our missionaries are is super sensitive and kind of under the radar too. So... um, the only way you're going to get the update is if you show up. So hopefully you all can show up. Please pray for that event. I know it's a blessing always to hear what our missionaries are doing, and keep them in prayer too. It's, uh, some of them are in places where their lives are on the line like every day, and uh, gnarly places, heavy situations, and God's using them and allowing us to be a part uh, of that work. Um, I think, nope, I got one more announcement across the way in the warehouse. So you go to the warehouse, two glass doors, there's a door to the left, a single door. When you go through that door, there is a photo booth for the moms today. So after uh, service, cruise on across there, get a picture uh, with your mom. Sound good? Awesome. We are in Ephesians. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. Ephesians, where are we at? Chapter 4. Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, if they're looking for seats, the penalty box is open this morning. <laughs> Good morning. All right, Ephesians 4, everybody there? Are we ready? Everybody got a Bible? Look at your Bibles? Phones? Let's pray. Let's ask the Lord to bless our time together this morning. Lord, we thank you so much for this special time that you've allowed us to have to be together, to gather in your presence as as a family, as your church, as your bride, Lord Jesus. We're so grateful for you, and we trust that the songs have honored and blessed you. It is our desire to worship you in spirit and in truth, to celebrate you. And and now as we open your word, Lord, you told us, you invited us to come to you, to learn from you. And and so we've done that. We've come to learn from you this morning. 
that you would be the one ministering to our hearts, meeting us as you're so faithful to do, so good to do, so gracious to meet each and every one of us right where we're at, through your word, by your spirit. And God, I ask, I pray, we pray that you would do a fresh work by your spirit within each one of us, in our lives, our marriages, our homes, and in your church. And so we commit this time to you now. We thank you for the great things you're going to do for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said... Amen. All right. Chapter 4, verse 1. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. I want to stop there just for a moment because we read the word therefore and we have to stop and ask ourselves what? Man, you're on it. What is the word therefore? Therefore, right? So in light of everything that's been previously communicated, Paul's going to build on that. And so what has Paul previously communicated? Remember where this letter began, right? The Apostle Paul began with celebrating God, correct? You guys with me? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. Because we have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we have received every spiritual blessing. Is that good news this morning? Do you guys remember those spiritual blessings? Anybody remember the spiritual blessings this morning? It began with what? You've been elected and selected a first-round draft pick by God. Right? Didn't we learn about that? We talked about that, didn't we? How does that work? Does he choose or do we need to choose? Are we chosen or do we make a choice? Yes. How does that all work out? I have no clue, but the Bible teaches both, so don't get all you know, trapped up and tripped up on that. The Bible teaches both. I think it's glorious to be reminded of that, that God chose us. Again, we've been selected by the Lord. It's beautiful. And uh, we also were reminded what? That we've been adopted into God's family. We are part of a family now. We are beloved of God, beloved children of God. That means you be loved, beloved, when you see that in the Bible. God loves you. Nothing can change that love. Is it an, it is an everlasting love. You've been accepted. Is that good news this morning? You've been accepted. You didn't need to make yourself acceptable. You just came as you are, as you were to the Lord, right? He received you that way, correct? You came as you were to the Lord. Is that how you came to the Lord? Did you clean up your act first? Is that how you... No, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a very cleaned up person, very good, getting gooder. No, a wretch. We're all in the same boat. We're all sinners in need of a Savior, you guys. We provide the sinner. He provided the Savior for us. And so we come, and then when we place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we are accepted. That's a glorious thing. But the Lord does not want to leave us in that condition right? He's the one that fixes us and changes us by the power of the Holy Spirit. We've been accepted. We've been redeemed. Is this some amenable stuff? At some point, I'm going to hear some amens. We've been redeemed. We've been purchased in order to be set free, set free from the power of sin, the penalty of sin, the presence of sin one day altogether when we're in heaven. We've been forgiven. We've been forgiven of all of our sins and our lawless deeds. Isn't that glorious? Our sins are forgiven, forgotten, gone 
forever. We've been given understanding and wisdom from the Lord. Jesus has become wisdom for us, the Bible says. But he's also given us wisdom, understanding of his plans. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? He, he shares, right? He shares insight into what he's doing on planet Earth, and, and we get to be a part of history, history which is his story. We become a part of his plan. We're not just going with the flow anymore. We're swimming against the current, correct? Serving the Lord and about his business and one day being rewarded for that. How cool is that going to be? Not only that, we have an inheritance in heaven. Do you know you have an inheritance in heaven? You've been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Amen? The down payment of our inheritance, by the way. That means that God's really serious. <laughs> he gave us the Holy Spirit to show us He's serious about us being with Him for all eternity in heaven. A reservation that cannot be changed. First Peter chapter 1. An inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, perfect. Listen, heaven waits for you and me, brother or sister, because of what Jesus did for us. It's glorious good news. We've been made alive. We were previously dead in our trespasses and sins, and we've experienced a personal resurrection. Is that good news? Do we do it ourselves? Do we make that happen? No. We are saved by grace through faith. It's the Lord who, who has done that. And He already sees us seated in the heavenlies. Isn't that great? He already has a seat picked out for you. My name, Mikey is on one of the seats. Seated, here you go, right? I mean, isn't it going to be awesome to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant? Listen, if, our, if we don't hear that, we wasted our lives. Are you with me? We don't want to be like Lot, save man, wasted life. We want to be those that pass through the veil and what? And hear those words from the lips of our Lord and Savior. So we're saved by grace. We are also, remember what else? The blessing, we are his workmanship. We are his work of art, his poema, right? We are his expression to a lost world of, of themes that we could never produce in and of ourselves, but that God can only produce through our lives. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. He's already prepared the good works beforehand for you and I to walk in. He's made it really simple. Jesus said, follow me, and guess what? You're going to end up in those good works. You're going to be doing the things that the Lord has called you to do. And guess what? We are as close as possible to God that we could ever be. God chose to, to, chose to come and take residence in our hearts when we put our faith and trust in Jesus. We were once far from God, separated from God. Remember we learned that a few weeks ago? Now we are near to Him. We are as close as possible to him. We are partakers of his promises. All of his promises are maybe and could be, or what are they? They're yes and amen. Do you guys like God's promises? Aren't they awesome? You come across a promise like, wow, that's for me. That's for you. That's for us. And God is faithful. He'll keep his promises no matter what. Listen, this morning, his promises will have the final say in your life. Are you with me? That's good news, isn't it? His promises will have the final say in your life. That's beautiful. Because sometimes you think, I'm going to be the first one to disprove his promises. That's not the case. God's faithful. He's reliable. He keeps his word. We have hope, don't we? Don't we have hope now as Christians? A living hope? 
Not hope as the world has, but we, our hope is based upon who God is and what he's done for us. We can trust him. Not only that, we have a savior. We've been, again, we have a savior. We have a good shepherd who cares for our lives, who watches over us. Aren't you grateful for the good shepherd, his care in your life? Has he taken good care of you? Take good care of me. Do we deserve it? Do we earn it? No way. It's by his grace. His shepherding care, his, his watching over us. Now we're part of a family also. Isn't that beautiful? You have a family now. Some of you, I know, I've talked to you before, we've come from jacked up families. And now we come to this family, which is jacked up too, but, um, but we're growing in grace, aren't we? And the Lord's mold is fitting. We're being fitted together as living stones, Correct in this temple of God. He's the one molding and shaping, chipping away at the rough edges. we got some rough edges, don't we? And that's the work that he does. Is that what it looks like? Something like that? I don't know. Fitting us together. We, now we have peace with God and peace with one another. Jesus brought down all divisions that would separate us, whatever they might be. And there's people make all kinds of divisions, but there's no divisions in the body of Christ. All the walls have come down in him. You're a citizen of heaven. Remember that? We remind we're citizens of heaven. That's where our citizenship is. Numero uno, before the United States or anywhere else on the planet, you're a citizen of heaven, brother or sister. That's the, that's the kingdom that matters most. That's the one we're to be about, to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. We have the promise, again, of being citizens of heaven. A foundate, we now have a foundation for our lives. Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. We've been given the word of God. Are you with me? Isn't that good news? We have, some of us didn't have a foundation before. We were, all, we were on shifting sands and all shaky, on shaky ground and grasping for all these different things to, to try to find peace and find clarity and understanding. And what happens? You end up empty. You end up continually on shifting sands until you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And then you have a sure foundation. And you're not going to be shaken, man. He's the chief cornerstone. Our life is built upon him, upon Jesus Christ, and upon his word. He said storms are going to come, didn't he? Did Jesus promise storms will come? He said it's going to be difficult. But he said your house, your life, your marriage, your ministry, your family will remain intact if what? You're a hearer of his word and you do what he says. Both houses. Jesus said there's two builders, wise and foolish. Wise builder heard the word of God, heard Jesus' words, and put it into practice in his life. Right? Storms came. Right? Water comes. Shook that house. But what happened? It stood its ground, right? Sure foundation. Foolish builder. You guys remember? Storms hit both houses, by the way. Storms came. He heard the word. Because it's going to happen this morning. There'll be some people that have come in here and you heard the word. And God's speaking to your heart right now. And you hear the word and then you walk out and you don't put it into practice. And the storms come and what's going to happen? Jesus said, great is the fall of that house. Great is the fall of that life, that marriage, that home. Why? Because you pay lip service to it. And Jesus says, listen, I want you to build your life on me. I'm upon my word and doing it. And watch what I'll do in your life. You'll have a sure foundation. Storms are going to come, but you're going you're to endure the storms. As it says about Moses, he endured as seeing him who is invisible. 
And so we have a sure foundation. And not only that, we learned about the ABCs of prayer, didn't we? Isn't that a blessing too? You guys remember the ABCs of prayer? Prayer? Not player. Not of you players out there. ABCs. <laughs> ABCs. You guys remember the ABCs of prayer? Access, boldness, and confidence. You guys got this down. How important is prayer? Is prayer important? Does prayer work? Uh, listen, prayer worked for me this morning. I was driving in the dark to come to our 7 o'clock class this morning. And all of a sudden, a mosquito was in my truck. You guys ever get a mosquito? Like, how in the world did he get in here? I slipped in and, into my truck, and I'm cruising, and I'm watching, and he's flying around my head right here, and I'm trying to... And I'm like, you know, like I'm texting and driving or something all over the road. And then I'm like, why don't I just pray? You know what I'm saying? Lord, you created this little sucker. Get him out of here. <laughs> and you know what? He was gone. <laughs> I'm like, n- n- not endangering people on the road anymore. <laughs> but it's like, that's the littlest thing. Like, that's a little thing. But we just learned in the Psalms on Wednesday night, the psalmist said, I love you because you hear my prayers. I love you because you incline your ear to me. Do you, do you, do you guys get that? The Lord's always listening to you. He's always thinking of you with, with good thoughts. His ears incline to you to listen to you. I love hearing my kids talk. I can't wait to listen to them this afternoon. Same way with our Heavenly Father. We have access because of Jesus Christ anytime, anywhere to our Father with boldness. You know, like boldness? It says, come boldly before the throne of grace to find mercy, to find grace and help in our time of need. And there are some of you in your time of need right now, and you need to, t- you need to t- walk through the access, have some boldness, and then confidence in prayer, ABC, right? If we ask anything according to his will, he's going to answer. He's going he's to answer your prayer. But you give it to him, and you give it to him. We ask, we seek, we knock, and we have confidence that he's hearing and that he's going, and then you got to give him time. Right? Because what do we typically do? We don't see an answer, and what do we do? We shut down the prayer, don't we? It's like, ah, oh, he's not hearing me. He's not listening. No, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. Have confidence in prayer. How about we were reminded that we have been given the gift of serving God, the gift of grace. Is that amazing? Jesus would share ministry with you and I by his grace, the opportunity, the privilege to serve him. And then not only that, God shares his power with us to do it. Those good spiritual blessings, by the way. And then Paul prayed. You guys remember last week the prayer? Was it last week we talked about the prayer? You guys remember the prayer? That we would be strengthened in our Inner, by, with power, by might, by the power of the Holy Spirit, where? In our inner man, that Jesus would find a home in our hearts, that we would know the love of God that surpasses all knowing, that we would know in an experiential way, a wonderful way, His love, and not only that, we'd be filled with the fullness of God. Isn't that a beautiful prayer? Listen, can you pray that prayer for me? I'm in need of that prayer. I'm praying that for you guys every day. 
That prayer, that's an amazing prayer to pray for one another. So Paul does all of this, and I learned something this week I had never learned before about this book. And I, I knew it, but now I know it. Paul did not let the Ephesians know he was in prison till chapter 3. What's, so, what's such a big deal about that? He didn't let him know. He begins this letter celebrating God. He's blessing the Lord. And all of a sudden, in chapter 3, he lets them know, oh, by the way, I'm in prison. I'm a prisoner of who? Rome? Of Jesus. He, he says it again here. He says, don't get bummed out about my tribulations, what I'm going through here in my chains. Don't, don't get bummed. Don't get sad. It's for your glory. It's for your benefit that I'm going through this. And I love that. And why do I love this so much? Because it's so easy to get jaded in ministry. It's, it's easy to get jaded serving the Lord in our homes, isn't it? No, not for you guys. I run into people all the time that are jaded and are snarky. Is that, snarky's a word, isn't it? All cranky and irritable. And what's, what's Paul doing? He's in chains. Hey, let's celebrate the Lord. Let's, let's bless him. I'm, you want to keep from getting snarky in your home and in marriage? To keep from getting jaded in ministry? I would say number one, really simple lesson. You guys ready for this? Number one, it's great to talk about the spiritual blessings that are ours in Christ Jesus. Because when you talk about those and share those with others, you know what? You're reminded yourself of how great a salvation we have because of what the Lord has done. Number two, keeping, keeping from being jaded and snarky is praying for others. Is praying for others. Paul prayed twice already in this letter. Number three, this wasn't like part of the lesson, but I think it's part of the lesson. Paul says, I therefore, as the, what did he say? The prisoner of the Lord. I belong to Jesus. No matter what happens, I'm connected to him. I'm serving him. He's at home in my heart. You know what you need to, we need to realize to keep us from being jaded and snarky in ministry and in life is to realize who we're doing it for. Listen, it's gonna, it gets hard sometimes. Does it get hard in life? It gets hard in ministry? Hard in mar- Does it get hard in marriage sometimes? No? You guys like got it all dialed in? I, talk about some other Calvary Chapel. It's hard sometimes. It's important to remember who you're chained to. It's Jesus Christ. That's the only true freedom. Is Him helping you? Is Him strengthening you? Is you and I abiding in Him? Paul says, I'm a prisoner of Rome and I'm so bummed out and... It's like, let's celebrate the Lord. I'm praying for you. 
He kept a soft heart. Even in, can you imagine being in, tribula- in, in chains in a Roman? How do you think a Roman jail was? I think it was good. They got nice soft pillows and nice snuggy blanket. You think he had like, that kind of stuff? I don't think so. Tribulation, hardship, difficulty. And it's like, let's celebrate the Lord. Therefore, in light of that, I'm, I'm the prisoner of the Lord. I'm connected to him. And look what Paul says in the next part of this verse. He says, I'm beseeching you. Has anybody used that word beseech? Has anybody used that word here, beseech? Honey, I beseech you to get out there and do the lawn this afternoon. It's Mother's Day. <laughs> beseech means, check this out, it means to, to humbly request the word, the, the word is, it, is connected in Greek to the Holy Spirit, the same word for the Holy Spirit. It means to come alongside like a holy urging, to beg, to plead. Can you imagine the Apostle Paul? He's been on his knees in prayer, praying for the church, and now he gets up and he says, I'm begging you. I'm pleading with you. He's not rattling his chains, yelling, hey, you guys need to do this, man. He's like saying, I'm begging you. I'm begging you. I'm urging you. To what? To walk worthy. And walk means how we conduct our lives. It means our behavior, how we live, that we would walk worthy. The word worthy in the Greek is axios. It means equal to. And the, and the word was used when you would get a... You guys ever seen pan scales? You put something in the scale, it weighs it down, and you get the weight, and it balances it out. You guys ever seen those? You guys ever seen those? Scales, right? Balances. And the marketplace, it would be, when it was balanced, it would be axios. And so, walk worthy, your walk should be what? What is he saying here? Look what it says to me. Your walk should be axios, corresponding with, in balance to, or in balance with the calling with which you were called. Jesus called you and you answered, correct? Did Jesus call you to follow him? And we chose to what? We chose to stop going our own way and to follow Jesus. Amen. Thank you, sir. That little man knows what he's talking about. We have chosen to follow Jesus no matter what. To stop going our own way, stop going away from him, and to start going with him, going his way. And now Paul says our walk should match, be in agreement with, in correspondence to our wealth or all the blessings. In other words, the way we live should reflect who we are in Christ and what he's done for us. And Paul's begging us. He's begging you and I. And the cool thing is, we were reminded last week that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works where? In us. You know what that means? God has given us the strength to to walk worthy. He's given us what we need to have a worthy walk. He didn't just say, hey, you know what? Go for it, man. Hope you do good. He said, no, I've given you the Holy Spirit to help you to walk the way that I've called you to walk. Isn't that a great God that we have? He's given us what it's God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. That's good news this morning, isn't it, gang? that good news? Sort of good news? Somewhat? It's awesome. God helps us to do what he's calling us to do. So how, how are we to walk? Look at the next verse with me. I'm going to read down to verse 3. 
with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And so the worthy walk begins with our own hearts, doesn't it? We are to walk how? What does he say? With all total lowliness. What is lowliness? What does that mean? Does that mean you walk around all sad looking as a Christian? No, thank you. We got someone who know someone who's in, someone who's listening and engaged in the Bible study. Thank you. Bring him every time, please. <laughs> no, listen. Lowliness is humility. You think about think about the opposite. Think about the Pharisees in Jesus' day, right? They Jesus had the hardest words for them because of their what? Because of their pride, the way they carried themselves, right? They looked down their spiritual noses at everyone else. They looked for the praise of men rather than the praise of God. That, so the, the, the flip side of that is to walk in humility. Humility is having an honest, accurate assessment of who I am. It's realizing I'm a sinner just like everyone else. I'm not better than you. You're not better than me. We are all in the same boat. We provide the sinner. God provided the Savior. Are you with me? We don't make a little hierarchy of, you know, some Christians are better than other Christians. No, we're all sinners in need of God's grace. Amen? Humility, an honest, accurate assessment of who I am, but also an honest, accurate portrayal of who I am. The Pharisees wore masks. Jesus said, you're, you're hypocrites. You're, you're mask wearers on the stage of life. That's what it meant. You're a bunch of phonies. God wants real. He wants reality. This is who I am. I'm not trying to be someone I'm not. Are you with me? I know I'm not what I should be, but praise God I'm not what I used to be. And so lowliness, gentleness. What is gentleness? It means meekness, mildness, soft touch. Easy, sensitive, not rough and abrasive. In fact, I love, remember what Jesus said in Matthew eleven, twenty-eight through 30. Jesus said, come unto me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. These two words right here, that's how Jesus is all day, every day. And so what is Paul saying here? That we are to walk in the same thing Jesus walks in, who he is, his character, to be gentle and to be lowly. And so Paul's like, get off your ego trip. Come down from your arrogance and superiority over everyone else and treat people this way. Treat them with, notice the next, verse, next part of verse 2, with long-suffering. Long-suffering means to be patient. It's interesting, it, means, it also means not being a reactionary. It's not being a, a short sufferer. <laughs> not being short-fused. It's, you, do you guys know people like that? They just, one little thing and they're just on edge and with a chip on their shoulder, they're just ready to snap any time. So it's like, take your, the, the idea is you take your time, you don't explode 
on everyone, bearing with one another. So long-suffering. Is Jesus long-suffering with us, by the way? Is he patient with us? Does he fire us? Does he give up on us? So what's Paul saying? The same way that the Lord is treating you, you are to treat others as well. To be patient with them. To not explode on them. In fact, look at the next, bearing with one another in love. The idea is, and it's interesting in the Greek, it means the idea is you hang with that difficult person even after things get rough. Do you guys have some difficult people in your life? None of you guys have difficult people in your life? Well, maybe you're the difficult person. (laughs) We do have difficult people in our lives, don't we? Is it an accident or a coincidence God brings difficult people into our lives? No way, man. Why? Because you and I, Christian, are being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. If that's the case, the Lord's going to use whatever he needs to use to fashion us, to mold us, to shape us, to become more like him, who Jesus also bears with us, doesn't he? Because we are difficult people and he bears with us. It also means to hold up others. It means to help others. It's not getting rid of the weak in order for us to be strong. It's to be those that come alongside one another and help one another. Every member, every person is absolutely vital. And I love, again, Jesus said, come to me, didn't he? In other words, I'm available. I don't bite. I'm not going to explode on you. I want to help. And Paul's saying here, that's the way, if we want to have a worthy walk, that's what we're to walk in also. Jesus Is Jesus our example in all things? He is, isn't he? To follow his example. But notice it says bearing with one. So, okay, pastor, I get it. I'm going to bear with this person. They're difficult, and I'll just I'll bear with them. But notice the last two words of that verse. Bear with one another in... That changes everything, doesn't it? In love. It means to care for them. Jesus said, if you love me, Peter, care for those people that I care about. To bear with them in love. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not root. How's that whole thing go? 1 Corinthians 13, right? Love believes all things, bears all things, hopes all things. Love never... Is that good news this morning? Right? Love never fails. Is that good? So you know what that means? You keep loving, loving, loving. If it's never going to fail, and who's going to help you to do it? The greatest Christian that ever lived who's living in your heart. He's going to help you to love. Are you with me? Are you with me? You are? Okay, good. Love says, I'm in it for the long haul. But you're protesting, I can't. You don't know what she said. You don't know what she did. You're right, pastor. He's difficult. She's difficult. You know what God says? You can, you must love. Do you know that? I know it's hard. You can, you must love. And what happens when you choose to do that? Will the Lord help you to do that? You guys remember the man with the withered hand? That was at church. You guys remember that story? Jesus went to church. The dude wasn't at home, the guy who had the paralyzed hand who was all messed up. He wasn't blaming God, staying at home, chilling out. He was at church. 
worshiping the Lord, maybe with one hand, lifting one, his one good hand to the Lord because he couldn't lift up his paralyzed hand. And all the Pharisees were there, all the religious leaders were there, right? With their arms crossed, their scowl to see what Jesus would do on the Sabbath, right? Is he going to heal? Is he not going to heal? I don't, know if that's, I don't know if that's how they talked, but that's how I picture them. And what does Jesus do? Remember what he does? In front of everybody. Can you come up here? The dude with the withered hand. Can you come out in front of everybody? Remember what Jesus said? Lift up, lift up your arm. Lift up your hand. So think about that. Is that an impossible command? Yeah, it is. It's not a trick question. That, he is crippled. He's paralyzed. That's impossible. I can't. But what did he do? It says he lifted it up, the man, he lifted it up and it was restored as whole as the other. Here's the impossible command. Lift up your hand. And what did the man say? Okay, I'll do it. And he did it. And when he did it, that's when he experienced the healing, the help, the fixing, the power. When are you going to experience his power, his help, his fixing? You know when it's going to happen? When you say, okay, I'm going to take the step of faith and do what the Lord is calling me to do in this situation. And in context, we're talking about bearing with one another, loving one another, caring for one another. Why? Because we've been made part of a family, you guys. This goes beyond just the home. It goes into the church and and everywhere the Lord would lead our feet, you guys, to walk in this. That's something you don't that's something you don't see out there in the world. And sadly, as the end times continue to roll out, things get darker and darker and darker. The Bible says that the love of many, and it's speaking of agape, will grow colder and colder. That's talking about the love of Christians, you guys. Because that word love is agape. Only Christians have agape love. You and I are the only ones who have agape love. Okay? And if that's what's going to happen in the end times, listen, we can't be a church that doesn't love. Otherwise, we're misrepresenting who? Mr. Love himself, Jesus Christ. Are you with me? Are you guys with me still? Hopefully. Number three, verse three, endeavoring. It takes an endeavoring. To do what? To keep the unity of the, what does your Bible say? Of the Spirit in the bond of peace. That word endeavoring, it's, it's an action word. It means to act with full diligence. It means to be eager to swiftly and speedily fully applying yourself. That's what it means. To do your best to concentrate on, to give priority to. So what are we to do? give priority to? To give full diligence to. To do speedily and swiftly. What does it say? To keep the unity, continually keep, continually guard, continually preserve, continually keep the oneness, the unity of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit has done a supernatural, glorious, miraculous work in our lives. Do you guys understand this this morning? In bringing us together as a family. I look around the room every Sunday, every Wednesday, and I praise God because it's so awesome to see all the different people that come to our church. Aren't you guys, isn't that awesome? It's like awesome. He brings us all together. We talked about this last week, didn't we? Like Star Wars Cantina stuff. 
the Lord brings us all together and makes us one. He unifies us, but what's the deal? Our flesh fights against that. Correct? Our flesh kicks against that. We are natural irritants. But the Lord says you need to make an effort. Not just an effort, but what does he say? You need to give, make this a priority in your life, Christian, to keep the unity of the Spirit. And that word bond, in the bond, means with close union, close connection with one another. Peace means to join together into a whole you know what that means? That means we need to spend time together. Cultivating companionship and friendship and oneness. Are you with me? It's not going to happen by, by coming and just coming once a week or once a month and that's it. It's by being connected to the body, the local church, where you are a part. You are a, a vital, big, big essential part of the local church. And you and I are to make this our endeavor to do what it t- listen to do what it takes to maintain oneness i need to i need to couch that though with this of course not at the expense of truth not at the expense of truth we need the word of god and the spirit of god to help us to do this are you with me we we need to be one we need to be unified but it needs to be according to the truth of god's word and by the spirit of the word of god are you, are you with me on that? It's like super crucial. As Paul's going to say in the next three verses, how we are one, we are one. We, all these things point to our oneness. Didn't Jesus pray that? Did Jesus pray that, you guys? John 17, four times Jesus said, Father, I pray that they would be one as you and I are one. Isn't that an interesting prayer? that the whole world would know that you sent me to rescue them. So our unity, our oneness, our togetherness is a testimony. We're preaching the gospel to a lost world when we're that way. Is that cool? Is that pretty? How close are the Father and the Son? Inseparable. They are so tight. And Jesus prayed that we would be that tight with one another. Well, pastor, I don't know if I could be close. I've been so vulnerable and hurt. And Listen, we all have. And we all have hurt the Lord too, haven't we? And what does the Lord do with us? I'm done. Is he, I'm done with you? That's it. You hurt me again. I'm out of here. Is that what he does? He bears with us. He's long-suffering. Are you with me? He gives grace. He continues to love. Even when we're difficult, even when we're in the flesh and act fleshly, when we are reactionaries and not long-suffering and gentle and lowly with one another. Listen, God's math this morning, so he pray, he's saying that we would endeavor to keep the unity. God's math does not include division. You know what I mean by that? In the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, the church was together, fellowshipping, breaking bread, apostles' doctrine, praying together, and God added daily to the number being saved. We read later about this couple, right? This couple, Ananias and Sapphira. 
And what happened to them? God had to take them out, right? Subtraction. That's what happens. It's dangerous when you fall out of love with Jesus. That's just a warning where your life can go. And so God subtracted. He added, he subtracted. Remember a little bit later, the church had some problems with the widows. Remember, they kind of had a little, little tension in the church over the widows. The apostles came in. God gave them some wisdom. They dealt with that issue. And it says, God greatly multiplied the disciples that were being made. So God adds sometimes. Sometimes he subtracts. Sometimes he multiplies. But he never divides. Why am I saying this? Because there are people that try to divide the church. And here's what God says about that. In Proverbs 6, Therefore his calamity shall come. Well, he devises evil continually. He sows discord. Therefore his calamity shall come suddenly. Suddenly he shall be broken without remedy. These six things the Lord hates. A false witness who speaks lies and one who sows discord among brethren. You can look that up later when you get a chance. Proverbs 6, because I skipped a few things there. But I wanted to point out that, man, God hates the one who sows discord, sows division among the brethren. The one that causes division, that causes strife, that harms God's precious people with gossip and slander. Are you with me this morning still? This is crucial. Because God's heart, His purpose, is for us to be one. A worthy walk involves working together to maintain oneness. Can I just encourage you, if someone is like gossiping to you, the Bible says also in Proverbs, where there's no wood, the fire goes out. You lending an ear to gossip and slander about someone, you're partaking in that sin. Instead, here's, here's just a little application, a little separate from the Bible study. Say, time out. Why don't we either pray for that person right now, or why don't we call that person up right now? And let them hear exactly what's being said so that we can talk it over with them. Are you with me? That, that'll stop a lot of division within the church because the enemy wants to come in and take the tongue and use the tongue as a, as a tool of division within the body. If he can't get to us any other way, that's the way he gets to us, is using our tongues against one another. Are you with me? Awesome. Let's keep rolling. Let's see what it says. Speaking of oneness, there's one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in y'all. Paul was Southern. (laughs) (laughs) so check this out do you guys notice a word that's repeated pretty frequently in those verses what was it it's one paul wants to make sure we understand this because there's lots of are there lots of different churches out there are there lots of different churches out there right our born again brothers and sisters there's some from the pentecostal churches some from the baptist churches there's all kinds of flavors aren't there Correct? But there, this is what unifies us. One body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord. These are all things because there's other little issues we disagree on, aren't there? Other little issues kind of we, some people make a big deal of them. I think the longer you walk with the Lord, those little petty issues begin to fall by the wayside, by the way. 
Because we're all parts of the body, aren't we? Are we all parts of the body? Even the Baptist church? Even the Pentecostal? We're all different parts. The Pentecostal church is the tongue. Uh, We may be the elbow. Some of you will get that later. It's okay. We're all different parts, but we're all connected as the body of Christ. Just like everyone here individually, you're a body part as well. Necessary, needed, essential. And Paul reminds us right off the bat, you're one body. And not only that, there's one Holy Spirit who, what? Look what it says, just as you were called in one hope, you responded to Jesus calling you. You have one hope of your calling. Listen, you chose to follow Jesus, to walk with him, and that journey will end in heaven. Your last breath here will be your first breath in his presence and have him welcome you. That's our hope. That's a living hope. One Lord, there's one boss. That's Jesus, one master, one absolute supreme authority. That's what Lord means. It's the Lord Jesus Christ, one faith, right? Jude told us that we are to contend earnestly for the faith that was once and for all delivered to the saints. Not one of many faiths. There's one faith. It's in Jesus Christ and him alone. He's the only way to the Father. One faith. Notice one baptism. Pastor, what's that talk about? That's where division happens, isn't it? One, 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 one. Now we hit baptism, and this is, do we get sprinkled? Do we get dunked? Do we go halfway under? Do you say it this way? Do you do it frontwards, backwards? Because there's lots of divisions, aren't there, with baptism? I Personally, I don't think he's talking about water baptism here. Um, I think he's talking about, if you're taking notes, I'm going to read it. It's in 1 Corinthians 12. Paul is emphasizing this oneness. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit. Isn't that beautiful? So we've been all baptized into one body. That's beautiful. And so, one God and Father of all. Listen, if you're trusting, your trust and faith is in Jesus Christ, He's your Father. That's good news today. He's our Father who art in heaven, who is above all. He's the Most High. He's sovereign. He rules. He reigns. He's above all. And through all, as His children, what does He do? He works in and through our lives in special ways. And not only that, look what it says, and He is in you all. As His children, He is with us all. He's indwelling us, as it tells us in John chapter 14, 23. Let's finish up here. Three verses, four verses, 15 verses. No, just a couple more. Because he goes from talking about just this connection, this oneness. Now he talks about us individually. And he says, but to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, and he's quoting from Psalm 68, when he ascended on high, who ascended on high, by the way? Jesus He led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Isn't that beautiful? He did a couple of things when he ascended into heaven. 
And then Paul, there's a little parenthetical break. Look at the parentheses at verse 9. He gives a little more insight here. He says, now this, he ascended. What does it mean but that he also first ascended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens. Why? That he might fill all things. And so look at verse 7 with me real quick. But to each one of us, is anybody left out? Does that mean you too this morning? To each one of us, grace, God's favor, His kindness, His blessing, His sufficiency, He's given it to each one of us. Grace was given according to or in proportion to the measure or the size of Jesus' gift. How? Wow, what was Jesus' gift? His life. He gave His life for us right, as a sacrifice to save us from our sins. How big was that gift? Huge, thank you, immeasurable. And so just as Jesus' gift was huge and immeasurable, so is the grace that He's given us. Amen. Listen, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, Paul said to the Corinthians, that though He was rich, He became poor for your sakes, that through His poverty you might become rich. And that's what Jesus did. I think this whole portion right here, and we're we're out of time, but I just want to touch on a couple things. This whole portion of verse 7 through 10, we are reminded of what Jesus did. Leaving heaven, I mean, again, think about leaving the glory of heaven, the perfection of heaven, the beauty of heaven, leaving all of that, And Jesus did what? He came to this earth. In fact, it tells us in Philippians 2, He humbled Himself, taking the form of a bondservant, making Himself of no reputation, becoming obedient, obedient to the point of death on the cross. So He leaves all of that to do what? To come here and give His life for you and for me. He became poor. He was born into a poor family. Correct? Mary and Joseph, they weren't like, didn't have a ton of cash. They were poor. And listen, everything, everything as he, as he came, as he added humanity to his deity, great is the mystery of godliness that God was manifested in the flesh. As Jesus came and did this, he did what he did, walked in our shoes that he could relate to every single person. And not only relate to us, he knows what you and I are going through right now. Why? Because he walked in our shoes, and now he's an ever-present help. Why? Because he came and gave his life. He suffered, died, and was buried, and rose again on the third day, ascended to the heavens, ascended to heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father, where he ever lives to make intercession for you and for me. Paul's reminding us of the example of Jesus Christ. He's saying, here's what you need to walk in. Lowliness, gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. Look what Jesus did. 
to, give, to, to enable you, to give you the grace, to enable you, to give you the strength, to enable you to walk in this. Here's what he did. Follow his example. He humbled himself. See, if we want to experience God's grace and his power, God resists the proud but gives grace to the, to the humble. We humble ourselves and recognize, Lord, I need you. Lord, I want to walk in your example that you set. And what begins to happen? We start to we humble ourselves, walk in obedience. And that's where we experience his power, his strength. And I want to remind us that we are to continually to look to him to fill us up. Did you see that last part of the verse there? The verse I read, the last uh, verse 10. Jesus did all this, why? That he might fill all things. Listen, we need to be filled, don't we? Do we need to be filled? He, he's the one who fills us in our emptiness. Think about the woman at the Samaritan well. You guys remember the woman at the Samaritan well? John 4. Jesus goes out of his way to connect with her, to rescue her. He offers her living water. He offers her eternal life, satisfaction. Because the water you're drinking, you're going to thirst again. And for some of us, we tried to satisfy the thirst in our lives with all kinds of stuff. I see some heads nodding. You know exactly what I'm talking about. We tried to satisfy the flesh, and you can't do that. The only one that can fill us in our emptiness is Jesus Christ. But before Jesus could give her the living water, there was an issue that had to be dealt with. You guys remember what the issue was? There was a little sin issue. Well, it's not a little issue. It's a big issue. That's what pinned our Lord to the cross was our stinking sin. Rotten stuff. And Jesus dealt so tenderly with her, didn't he? Hey, uh, go call your husband. I don't have a husband. You're correct. In the last, whatever, four dudes you've been with aren't, haven't been your husband either. How did he know that? <laughs> what was she trying to fill her emptiness with, with dudes, sexual immorality. Drink that water, you'll thirst again. Whether it's sex, whether it's power, pleasure, whatever, wisdom, <laughs> earthly wisdom, you're going to thirst again. Jesus said, you can write that over anything. Only Jesus is the one who can satisfy. And not only, that, not only will he fill you in your emptiness, but he will meet you in your loneliness and not only that, he will strengthen you and empower you to be a blessing to others because Jesus said, all who are thirsty, come to me and drink to be filled up and out of your hearts will flow rivers of living water. That's glorious, isn't it? That's a filling. Paul's going to later say in Ephesians 5, 18, be continually filled with the Spirit. We continually come to him and say, fill me up. You fathers being evil know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your heavenly Father give the Spirit to those who ask? We simply ask. Because why? Because we pour out, right? We pour out into the lives of others, helping others. And we begin to run on empty, don't we? And so what do we do? This is so simple. We come right to, it's so simple. We come right back to Jesus and say, fill me up, Lord. When's the last time you prayed that prayer? Honestly. Before the Lord, who's here with us this morning, when's the last time you said, Lord, would you fill me up?
Because what's been coming out of my heart and my life is not, has been anything but living water. Think about living water. It's refreshing. It's cleansing. It's satisfying. Am I bringing that into the lives of others? If not, listen, it's so simple. You just say, Jesus, fill me up this morning. I know some of you haven't asked for weeks, months. Maybe some of you haven't even asked in years. Say, Lord, just fill me up this morning. I know personally, I pray that prayer all day long. I know I'm not the same person I am after that prayer as I was before. Because the Lord wants to do that. He wants to fill what? He wants to fill us, doesn't he? That's why he did it, to fill us up, to bring satisfaction to our lives, and that our lives would bring satisfaction to others by serving, by giving, by loving, by bearing with, caring for. And then your life becomes not the buffalo bayou water. <laughs> that stuff's pretty filthy, nasty. But now start, what starts to come from your life is living water. Rivers, literally torrents of living water. If, listen, Jesus said that would be normal Christian life. And if it's not this morning, listen, you need to come to the Lord simply and ask Him. If that's not a description of your life as a Christian... Can I encourage you this morning to say, Lord, fill me up? I haven't asked in a long time. But what's been coming out of me has been anything but living water. And you repent. Listen, you repent this morning. Change of heart, mind, direction. Recognize, recognizing you've been, maybe you've been a suction rather than a fountain. Right? Because we can do that too. We can just become a suction rather than being a fountain of living water coming from our hearts. You repent this morning. And you, say, and, you, and you confess and say, Lord, I need your help. You think he's going to help you? He's going to help. He's going to answer that prayer. And then you step out and you start to love as the Lord's called you to love. And you'll experience his power, his grace, his sufficiency. Why? Because he promised it in his word. Amen. In Jesus' name. Lord, thank you so much for your word this morning and all of your promises. How good you are to us, Lord, as we read those spiritual blessings and consider those this morning. You are, you're so good to us. Your grace is truly amazing. Your goodness, your faithfulness. We just want to say thank you this morning. Thank you for loving us, for shepherding our lives, shepherding this church. God, you are so good. I pray, please, Lord, that my brothers and sisters would take away the things that have come from your heart. that we would be recognized, Lord, as you prayed, by our oneness, by our love. Not something manufactured in our flesh, but a work of your Spirit. For we know it's not by might nor by power, but by your Spirit. And so, God, would you do that work? I pray, Lord, this morning for those marriages that God need a special touch from you, those homes, those families. Thank you that you see, you hear. I pray you would bring peace and healing. That you do a work, Lord, in your church. And that we would be filled. You're the one who fills all in all. Fill us, Lord. We want our lives to be overflowing. 
not just being consumers, but being instruments in your hands, your servants, so that we might hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant from your lips, God. And so thank you. Thank you for all that you're doing, Lord Jesus.